Happy New Year and welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where we encourage you to join Jeff Lyle in shaking a happily defiant fist at the year 2020 as you enthusiastically step into all that 2021 has in store for you. When it comes to the kingdom of God, the foundation of his truth remains the anchor for our souls, no matter what a calendar year may bring. Today's episode will help to spiritually equip you to be prepared for both the battles and the blessings that come your way. Now, let's join the host of Mavericks and Misfits, Jeff Lyle, for today's episode. So how is your 2021 getting off to its new start? How is the new year treating you? And uh, how are you feeling about what's going on in the culture, your world today? Most of you that are listening are uh, in the United States. Some of you are in different parts of the world, but the question is valid for each of us. How are you feeling about how the year is getting started? Well, if you're here in America and you are aware of what's going on, uh, it feels like we got like two days of calm in the new year before it started looking very much like the ugly twin sister of 2020. And so we are, uh, we're right back in the thick of things. And, um, you know, I just am so comforted to know that Jesus Christ is on his throne. He sits atop the circle of the earth and he does whatever he believes is good. And so I'm ready resting in the sovereign God of heaven, but at the same time, I'm also recognizing that there's a lot of chaos in the culture. You know, with the election debacle and all of the protests and the violence and the storming of the Capitol and all of the pre-election, you know, nonsense that was going on and the burning of cities and the looting, it's just insane what is happening in America. Um, You know, God is able to bring revival, restoration, repentance to the United States of America, but it'll have to be God and it'll have to be coming through a repentant church that is uh, doing exactly what Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if we will humble ourselves, seek his face and um, confess our sins and turn from our wicked ways. It's only then that we can have hope that he's going to heal our land. And as for me and my house, that's what we're doing. As for the people that I run with in the kingdom, to the great extent, that's what we are doing. And, you know, one of the parts of the, um, I guess, the political climate in 2020 and the early part of 2021 was, um, you know, this embarrassing issue for the church that there was um, a lot of prophetic um, voices that were declaring Donald J. Trump is going to win his second term. He's going to be president for another four years. And obviously that did not come to pass. So um, there is um, the need for us to address this issue of prophecy. And, you know, we've been doing many, many weeks of episodes on Mavericks and Misfits about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but if you've been following this podcast, you understand this. But scripture says that of all the spiritual gifts that are able to be received and employed by the body of Christ, by individual Christians, sitting atop the list as the most important gift that we are to pursue is the gift of prophecy. Um, It is Paul, uh, in Paul's writings, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, there's no mistake about it. He highlights prophecy as the most important spiritual gift. And I want to take a few episodes and I want to talk about this gift of prophecy because frankly, there's a lot of confusion about it among those that are charismatics and believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And 
those who are not charismatics. And most of this podcast um, series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit has been trying to reconcile the differences of views and opinions between charismatics and non-charismatics concerning the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we've gotten a lot of incredible feedback. I mean, and we're, people are getting helped. You know, I had lunch just uh, yesterday with a local Baptist pastor who has been exposed to some of these teachings that I've been releasing on the podcast and in other places. And he's hungry and he's not the only Baptist pastor in my region uh, that has, you know, reached out to us. And we're, we're just starting to see people say, I just want to know what's true. I see what my denomination says, but I also see what the scripture says. But I also see what I believe are misuses, abuses of, of spiritual gifts among charismatics. And I don't know if I want to have anything to do with it. And so I love open, raw honesty and the pursuit. And some of you that are listening, where, whoever you are that is listening to this podcast, um, I hope that you'll just join me in this pursuit of, of discovering fresh, uh, freshly and deeply what does the Bible say about the gifts of the Spirit. And from that launching point, we can move into the experience of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But today, really, I just want to spend our time kind of opening up the discussion on the gift of prophecy and really just talk about what, what exactly is this gift? What is the New Testament gift of prophecy? Is it the same thing as Old Testament prophets like Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and you know Elijah? Is, the, is, is their prophetic ministry supposed to be exactly like the New Testament uh, gift of prophecy? And I want to answer that in these upcoming episodes. And uh, we're, we're moving on from the gift of tongues. We did a four episodes on that. We've done other um, episodes prior to that. And if you haven't heard those episodes, listen, I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to these, um, this whole series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think um, God's using it and I think he wants to use it deeply in your life. And even in teaching it, I know that he's refreshing me um, in these areas. And so let's talk about prophecy today, because I believe that the gift of prophecy may, I mean, very well be the most misunderstood um, among the charismata, among the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so whereas the gift of tongues is always seems, it's always seemed to be the gift that most quickly divides people uh, concerning the gifts of the Spirit, um, this gift of prophecy may actually divide the most deeply. If tongues divides the most quickly, I think the gift of prophecy divides the most deeply. And my conviction is that, you know, this deep divide is the result of Christians failing to discern the clear theological differences between how Scripture reveals prophecy in the Old Testament versus how Scripture reveals the New Testament gift of the Holy Spirit that is prophecy. And so this episode today will, in, in part at least, seek to clarify the distinctions among these two biblical revelations between Old Testament prophets and New Testament gift of prophecy. And then I want to call the listener, you guys, to, to acknowledge that once these testamental distinctions, if I can use that big word, are, are validated, once we recognize there is a difference, then I think much of the struggle with the gift of prophecy moves from the theology of this gift to the usage of of this gift. And ultimately what I want to do is I want to establish that the New Testament gift of prophecy is not exactly parallel to the Old Testament function of the prophets. And once we establish that, I, I want to answer the question, then what do we do with the gift? What do we do with the charisma, the gift of the grace of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit that is called prophecy? 
Now, I want you to remember with me, as we've talked about all these gifts, some, the works of the Holy Spirit are really, I mean, they're sometimes difficult to define. Remember, I've mentioned this frequently, that Jesus taught Nicodemus a valuable principle that all of us do well to receive and then remember. It's in John 3, and in John 3, 8, Jesus declares that the person who operates in the Spirit lives with some element of mystery to his or her life. And just like somebody has difficulty in predicting and defining the activity of wind, again, Jesus taught that it's challenging to understand everything about the person who moves in the Holy Spirit. So in essence, Jesus was teaching Nicodemus that we must be content to allow some mystery to remain concerning the works of the Holy Spirit. We, we can't box it in and make everything nice, neat, and tidy. There's got to remain some mystery. And if you have to understand, explain, predict, or control everything about God, then you're going to have a really small God and he's going to look a lot like you. But if you let the God of the Bible be the God of the Bible, then you're going to have to make room for remaining mystery and some unknowns and the work of the supernatural. Let me give you my foundational verses about the gift of prophecies from, again, 1 Corinthians 14, where we've been in there for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we're going to stay in there for a little bit. But 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5 says this, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially especially that you may prophesy for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Don't miss that. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless somebody interprets so that the church may be built up. So Paul's foundational teaching is that tongues are awesome because they build up the individual believer. But prophecy is better because it's the individual believer building up others through the prophetic word. You've got to remember that, that the foundational purpose from God for prophecy is to build up the body of Christ. There are other benefits to the gift of prophecy, but the foundational purpose that God gives in his word is that the body of Christ may be built up when people um, appropriately use the gift of prophecy. Now, among all the mentions of the individual gifts of the Holy Spirit that we have from the writings of Paul and Peter, guys, one gift is clearly moved to the top of the list. And Paul says that the gift that Christians should seek the most is this gift of prophecy. That's the one that we are commanded to seek the most. Now, look, on a personal note, um, I spent the majority of my Christian life uh, prior to the year, probably 2011, um, I spent the majority of my Christian life disobeying the clear command of scripture to desire the gift of prophecy. I just dis, I dis, disregarded it. I even believed that the gift was available, but I was not putting that atop my list of, of gifts. And frankly, most Christians I know have either been negligent or disobedient in aligning with this highly prioritized scriptural command to pursue the gift of prophecy. Now, guys, for, for any of you that, that were groomed in cessationist churches, churches that don't believe 
and don't advocate the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or if you were taught in a cessationist school like I was, we were all taught that this gift is no longer a valid gift, that it doesn't exist, that it's unnecessary, that we just need the written word of God, and we don't need the gift of prophecy. So in effect, we, we would be taught to never even seek any of, the, any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, the command to pursue pro- prophecy above them all, it, it would have been viewed within a cessationist perspective, and therefore, it would have been entirely negated as an authoritative command from God's word. So in the first century church, prophecy was a priority. In much of the modern church, prophecy is actually prohibited. So it's clear that, listen, for me, once again, a sola scriptura, hermeneutic, that's for all you theologians that are listening, you know what that means. And for those of you that don't know what that means, it means the approach to understanding the word of God by letting the word of God alone be the authority. Sola scriptura, only scripture. It's a, it's a hermeneutic that's needed. It's so important for us to align with the full teaching of God's word because we have to pull our denominational lenses off and we have to say, what does the Bible teach? And if the Bible is giving repeated way, in repeated ways the command to pursue prophecy and yet our denomination and our training and our views has told us, no, don't do that, then we really better make sure we have good scriptural ground to stand on. Because in essence, the command in the Bible is very clear. But why do some major denominations, in some schools, in some ministries, in some streams of theology, why do they say, oh no, you don't have to do that command? I mean, you got to think about it. What other part of God's word do we allow ourselves just to say, no, you don't have to do that anymore? And some people would say, well, you just got to rightly interpret the word of God. Yes, exactly. You have to rightly interpret the word of God. And the New Testament in a church was commanded by God to pursue the gift of prophecy. Let's just take a moment and highlight the inconsistency of cessationism. Just in this one section of Corinthians 14, just think about it with me. We're commanded to pursue love. It says that in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. And no no sincere Christian will debate the binding nature of that clear command to pursue love. Nobody's going to say, no, we don't have to do that anymore. But immediately after that command, we're told to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And all of a sudden, a little less certainty about the binding nature of this command begins to creep in here among many believers. And some people dismiss that command. I mean, they dismiss the command to desire earnestly the spiritual gifts And the reason why is because they've been trained by people that this is not necessary anymore. Now, nobody's going to say that it's not necessary to pursue love, even though that's in the exact same passage of Scripture. So then thirdly, again, in this first five verses of 1 Corinthians 14, thirdly, we see that the elevated command to especially desire to prophesy, uh, prophesy. We, we see that. So pursue love. Everybody's in agreement. Desire spiritual gifts. Hmm, I don't know if we have to do that anymore. Desire to prophesy. Some people say dogmatically, no, we definitely don't have to do that. And so cessationism teaches that the simple command in Scripture is not only unnecessary, but in some forms of cessationism, almost all forms of cessationism, they say to actually obey the command to desire spiritual gifts and to pursue prophecy above all, they'll tell you it's unorthodox. Some of them will even tell you it's sinful. 
they'll literally say that it's sinful for us to do that. And guys, we've really, really got to come to the place where we're asking ourselves, when we stand before the Lord, do we really want to say, well, Lord, I was trained that this wasn't necessary. That's what my school taught me. That's what my pastor taught me. That was in the church bylaws. It was in our denominational creeds. The Lord's going to say, I gave you my word. Why did you edit my word? So think about 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, above all, pursue prophecy. Now, is it not the same human author writing all three of these back-to-back-to-back-to-commands? commands Is it not the same original audience, the church at Corinth, the original audience? Is it not the same people reading them? And does not the doctrine of the inspiration of the scriptures by the Holy Spirit teach us that the same God divinely inspired these commands to be inscripturated, to be put in the Bible? Now, because of that, just think about that. Same God, same human author, same original audience. But we're saying which parts apply and which parts don't. Now, how, how, how is it that some pastors and churches and seminaries teach us which commands there are that remain binding upon the Christian while the other commands are no longer binding? Why is the command to love still undebated as an expectation, but these other two commands that I've mentioned to pursue spiritual gifts and to desire to prophesy? Um, why are these two commands dismissed? Who, who gave these Christians permission to ignore a biblical imperative? The Bible itself never teaches that the command to desire spiritual gifts and the command to prioritize prophecy above all the other gifts has been retracted. The Bible never says that. So is this, I mean, let's be honest, is this anything less than removing a portion of God's written word? Guys, come on. I, I shudder to think of the audacity of any of us daring to edit the holy word of God for any reason. We dishonor the word of God when we engage in this kind of cherry picking which portions of scripture concerning the gifts of the spirit are authoritative and which commands can be <laughs> removed by us at will. I mean, good night, Christians. Why? How come we're not trembling to tamper with the word like this? I know I didn't. Before God graced me with the revelation to see in scripture the error of my ways, I literally thought I was doing the right thing. I thought, oh, okay, well, the historical interpretation is that these gifts were valid. Prophecy was valid. That tongues was valid. But, you know, we live in a different era now and the Bible is completed and we don't need prophecy and the prophets and the apostles are no longer on the scene and so on and so on. And so I was trained to dismiss the commands clearly given in the word of God regarding the spiritual gifts. And I never batted an eye for many years about that. But then when I began to move into a deeper regard for the holy authority of all of God's word, not to um, fail to declare the entire counsel of God, I realized, oh my goodness, I have believed wrongly. I have taught wrongly. And there was a season of deep repenting before the Lord. And of course, I've already told you my story about how we led our then cessationist Baptist church into the truth of the word, and we embraced the gifts of the spirit. And of course, many people who couldn't embrace it, people who loved the Lord and were sincere in their walks, they left. And some of them left hurt and angry and confused. And I'm, I'm so sad that they left, but I'm so glad that I didn't bow to the pressure of human beings 
and say, well, I don't want to disappoint or offend anybody. Therefore, I'm going to continue to, um, you know, back off the truth of scripture. So guys, let's think about this. We're, we're commanded to pursue prophecy. And because of that, we should devote time to understand as best as we are able, what exactly is this gift? So I'm going to finish up today with giving you just my foundational understanding of the New Testament gift of prophecy. I'm going to do at least one or two more episodes on this gift. So I'm not giving you everything today, but at least let me finish with giving you my foundational understanding of the New Testament gift of prophecy. We're sticking to the New Testament in this episode. We're not talking about Old Testament. I'm going to deal with that in a different broadcast. So prophecy in essence describes at its foundational level, prophecy describes various forms of inspired utterance or speech, which is facilitated by God. Revealing something to a believer with that same believer giving the human communication of what God is revealing. Now, think about it again. Let me, let me just, I'm, I'm actually reading this portion because I want to get it right. Prophecy describes various forms, various forms of inspired utterance or speech, which is facilitated by God, revealing something to a believer with that same believer then giving the human communication of what God is revealing. So prophecy includes, friends, that, that it's not limited to preaching, nor is it limited to the written words of the recognized Old Testament prophets. Old Testament prophecy was primarily predictive in nature. So Old Testament prophecy is primarily foretelling the future. But remember what we read in 1 Corinthians 14. New Testament prophecy is mainly for edification of believers. That's what it is at its core. It's mainly for edification of believers. It's not prim primarily predictive in nature. It can be, but that's not the primary purpose. The primary purpose is edification of Christian believers. That's what it is. And all prophecy consists of God communicating specific messages through human instruments. I mean, that is the functionality. That's the logistics of prophecy. God Almighty communicating specific messages through human instruments. So if I'm going to seek to like boil down a description of the gift of prophecy, like if I have to give you one summary statement, um, this is the one that I've used for many, many years. This is the simplest, most distilled description of the function of prophecy. What is that? Well, we can state that prophecy, the gift of prophecy is the human communication of a divine report. The human communication of a divine report. So in other words, God speaks in some manner directly to the spirit of a Christian, and that Christian then gives the human report of what God has spoken. Now, you have to remember with me that Paul states the divine purpose, which facilitates the gift of prophecy, is this. It's 1 Corinthians 14, verses 3 and 4. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. That's what the Bible says the purpose of the New Testament gift of prophecy is. And that doesn't mean that it, it's completely unilaterally limited to encouragement. That's a danger. That's an extreme. I don't want to go to that extreme view. 
But foundationally, what it's supposed to do is build up the body of Christ. And so when the gift of prophecy is being exercised, the result is that one Christian is speaking in a way to another Christian that results in their spiritual edification. Prophecy builds up others in the faith. And it does it via encouraging them, exhorting them, or even consoling them. So prophecy is revealed here in these verses in 1 Corinthians. It's an extremely practical and helpful gift. But it's also supernatural. Because the human voice is merely the vehicle through which divine communication is being received. Now remember, we're going to talk later about excuse me, testing the prophetic word. Just because somebody says they have a prophetic word from God doesn't mean that you are to buy it hook, line, and sinker. Unlike the Old Testament, the New Testament commands that we test the prophetic word. And that is tested. It's not described exactly how we're to test it, but it's done in community. It's done in the body of Christ. And so anyway, back to the, the, you know, the purpose for today. The yielded Christian, listen, is hearing the voice of God through the human prophetic word. So the person receiving the prophetic word is hearing it from a human, but the true prophetic word comes from God through that human. Do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said that his sheep will hear his voice and know him. So that's, that's an important statement from the son of God to the Christian, his sheep. And it didn't say we... We merely read his words. Jesus didn't say, you're going to just read my words. Jesus taught that we would hear his voice. And he said, through the Holy Spirit, this would happen. And the Holy Spirit brings all things to our remembrance. So, friends, again, Jesus clearly taught that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. And nowhere stipulating that this activity would only or always be accomplished solely through through reading the written word, through studying the written word. Jesus never limited us hearing his voice to the activity of studying the written word of God. I love my Bible. I hear God every time I open my Bible because those are the words of God. But Jesus didn't just say we would read his word and hear his voice. He said we would hear his voice. And reading or hearing and reading and hearing are, are not always the same activity. So prophecy is just one means by which the believer hears the voice of his or her savior. So I'm going to give you these last three things and then I'm I'm out of time. Um, So just bear with me a couple of minutes because I want to give you something that we're going to return to in deeper uh, detail. Um, So let me take these next four or five minutes and just give you this. The, The New Testament charisma gift of prophecy is exemplified in three components. This is so important to understanding the gift of prophecy. And we'll review these in the next episode, but let me give them to you here. Because if you don't get this, you're going to be very confused uh, on, on the New Testament gift of prophecy. And you're going to compare it to the Old Testament gift. And you're going to say, man, the New Testament version of pr- prophetic ministry that I see in my day is nothing like the Old Testament, therefore it must not be valid. Well, hold on a second. Let me let me begin this trail that we're going to walk down together. Here's the first component of the New Testament gift of prophecy. The first component is revelation. This is straight from God. It's a divine act. Revelation is a divine act that is picture perfect in all its elements. God is speaking. 
one of his children. And he's saying that which is without error. God is speaking to a human, something that is divine. It's perfect. When God says it, it's perfect. It's without error. And it is true to its very molecular level. That's what revelation is. It comes from God. That's the first component of the activity of the gift of prophecy. Here's the second component. The second and third component are human in nature. The first component is divine and it's perfect and it's not subject to error. God doesn't have to apologize and say, oops, what I said wasn't true or I said it wrongly or it didn't come to pass. That never happens. The revelation, divine revelation, when it comes to prophecy is always perfect. You have two other components though. And here's the second one. It's interpretation. And this component of prophecy is human in its nature. It is the interpretation of that divine revelation. So this is where we come into play and we have to properly interpret and understand and hear that perfect thing that God is revealing. So this is when the Christian interprets what God is communicating to them. And they're, they're interpreting it through their own cognitive abilities. Yes, they're interpreting it through the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the communication of the Holy Spirit. But it, it, it involves the human cognitive process, the brain, the mind, the emotions, all of it. In, in the scriptures, God often gave prophecy through various means. Sometimes it was an audible word. Other times it was a vision. Sometimes it was an angelic visitation or some other supernatural means. But when, when God spoke, it was incumbent upon that person that was receiving the revelation to interpret it rightly. So again, that's still in play. We have to interpret what God is communicating. And when it comes to prophetic dreams, when it comes to visions, when it comes to the inner speaking of the Holy Spirit, there is the human interpretation. And oftentimes, this is where the error comes in. It's not that God said something wrong. It's that if a person's not walking or, you know, I don't want to say it's always because they're not walking in the spirit or, you know, imply that there's sin in their lives, but there is the possibility that sincere, well-intending believers might get the word from the Lord the right way, but maybe not interpret it, especially if it's a dream or something that involves symbolic imagery. God's communicating, but we have to take our time in making sure we interpret it. And here's the third element, and we'll close with this one. It's the application of what we interpret. So again, revelation, interpretation, application. This third component, again, it's a human element. This component of application, it, this is the part that represents what the person does with the communication that they receive from God. So it works this way. The divine communication is received. It's interpreted through the human cognitive ability. And then it's applied by the Christian who has received and interpreted. It's also during this phase that the prophecy is ready to be communicated to others. So did you follow me there? The gift of prophecy, and we'll, we'll show you biblical examples of how prophecy is used, especially in the book of Acts. Um, what's interesting is prophecy is embraced um, in the first century in New Testament times, and it's not explained. It's just a gift. A lot of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not explained in detail because they weren't debated back then. They were 
They were acknowledged. They were embraced. It wasn't controversial, but there were still ways that people were called to, you know, regulate and make sure these gifts were being properly used. And so that's why we're going to talk about what does it mean to test the prophetic word? And what do we do if a person gives a prophetic word and it ends up being wrong? And what do we do if somebody who is right the last 10 times gives a word and as we're testing it, the consensus is, I don't think that's right. Does that make that person a false prophet? (laughs) Do we need to apply the Old Testament law and take them outside the city gates and stone them for being a false prophet? Of course not. Uh, We have to make a distinction between Old Testament prophecy and the New Testament gift of prophecy. And that'll be part of what we talk about in our next episode. So I hope this was helpful for you today. Let me uh, just remind you, if you're interested in more resources, I want to encourage you to visit our umbrella site of transformingtruth.org, transformingtruth.org. There's so many free resources there. I mean, videos and audio, and you can find my social media links. I write a blog there. My whole purpose in life is just to try to strengthen the body of Christ. That's my calling. I'm, you know, I'm a pretty simple dude. I love the word of God. I love the God of the word and I love God's people. And I want to help people understand their Bible so that you can step more fully into your own calling as you pursue the Lord. And so transformingtruth.org is our media website. Um, I want to encourage you to go there. You can find our videos on Transforming Truth's YouTube channel and also want to remind you of this, um, in 2020, I published a book and in the book, figuring it out as I go, um, which is available at transformingtruth.org. Or if you can't remember that, just go to jefflyle.com or you can get it on Amazon or wherever else you buy books. And if you don't love to read, um, I narrate that book, um, on audible.com so you can actually listen to it. But my point is this in the book. Um, I talk in detail about how I moved from being a Baptist pastor into the gifts of the Holy Spirit and then shepherded our church into it. But I also dedicate a full chapter to how important it is to rightly divide the word of God when it comes to the gifts of the spirit. And I know that some of you are listening are just struggling because you've seen the nonsense that's attached to the gifts of the spirit in the church. You've witnessed that and you've thrown out the baby with the bathwater. And I'm just going to tell you, that's an illegal move in the kingdom. I appreciate you wanting to get things right and you wanting to make sure you never live in error or step into error or dishonor the Lord. Those are all good motivations. But if your end result and your decision is, is that because the gifts are abused and misused, you're going to choose not to use them at all. Uh, I love you, but I'm going to tell you, you're absolutely wrong and you're missing out on so much of what God has for you and through you into the lives of others. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm grateful that on the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, I have the ability to teach you. And so share with your friends that uh, Mavericks and Misfits, I hope you'll subscribe. Listen, it really helps us if you will rate and review uh, wherever you're listening. If you're listening to iTunes or in some other platform, rate and review Mavericks and Misfits. Help us take, you know, literally take one minute to rate and review it and let people know, hey, you're getting helped by what's being taught. And that helps us get a bigger digital footprint and to reach more people. And so listen, my time's gone. Thanks for tuning in. We got another uh, podcast coming out in just a few days and we'll continue in the next episode going a little bit more in depth about the gift of prophecy. God bless and we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, 
please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.